This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Chris Motes. And we're broadcasting today from the Catholic Conference, South Dakota Catholic Conference office in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Got it. Got it. Thanks, Chris. Way to go. <laughs> it, is, it is a beautiful Friday today. It's one of those just nice fall days that we, we sort of wait for and long for in those dog days of summer. And just, I know. I love it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love it. You know, I like sweaters and whatnot. I do too. <laughs> As I'm wearing my like sweater vest. Your sweater vest. It's perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've had a fantastic show this morning and it's just going to get better, Chris. Yeah. It's... Um, I'm really excited about this this final guest. We're kind of you know leading into this this great convention that South Dakota Right to Life has planned for this weekend, kicking off tonight. If anybody wants more information on the convention, they can go to sdrighttolife.org and, and kind of learn a little more. Um, but our, our final guest, our last segment here this morning, is uh, got uh, just a compelling, compelling story. Uh, Dr. Patty Giebank is somebody I had I'd heard of before, kind of having worked in, in pro-life circles in South Dakota for the last couple of years since the, the Catholic Conference was founded in 2017. I uh, just recently watched an interview with Lila Rose um, on YouTube, which is just a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. Great, great story. Dr. Patty Giebink is an OBGYN uh, from Sioux Falls originally, but now for the last uh, 20 years or so living and working in Chamberlain. Dr. Giebink, welcome to the program. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, and I want to get into your to your story, which is just such a uh, a story of of hope and joy, and it's really it's like I said, beautiful. But if we could maybe just start at the beginning of your 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 medical career, you're you're an OBGYN. Can you tell us what what attracted you to that particular specialty um, at the outset of your your medical training? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think when I was, uh, the time when I was going to medical school, when I was getting ready to go to medical school, it was sort of on the for it was on the forefront. I think a lot of people were pe- were thinking about uh, women's rights, and um, maybe that's the wrong word. Before I was in medicine, I was in um, physical education, health, exercise testing, exercise physiology, coaching, and when Title IX came about, it was, uh, you know, a pretty big thing about um, giving girls and women the same opportunities as boys and men, Mm. and I think that was my first interest, and then it grew from there. Sure. You know, as I think I've alluded already, you've had a a conversion, but at that, that point in time, you know, back in those days, you were you had a view favorably of abortion. Was that was it something that you had really thought about growing up? Was it was uh, your your view favoring abortion something that developed during medical school? What was it What was it like at that time? I didn't really think about abortion. It wasn't really on my radar screen when I was growing up. I don't think anybody talked about it um, in medical school. Um, I got. A group of women in Sioux Falls uh, became friends of mine, and it and they're a liberal, pro-choice group. 
that has had several names, and they were sort of my support group during medical school. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of my ideas evolved. And was was it part of the was abortion part of the training at the school you attended? No. How did no. you how did you end up receiving the training uh, that, that you ended up using ultimately? Well, um, interesting. At that time, I don't think a lot of the programs you're talking about whether they provided abortions or not, and I didn't even ask that question because it wasn't something I was planning on doing. Um, and by a series of steps, I ended up at uh, Indiana University Medical Center where they have uh, an excellent program providing training for um, doctors, OBGYN doctors, to do abortions. And, and so it was there at the Indiana University that you, that you first received some of the training uh, to right. do abortions. How, right. how was how was it that you came about working for for Planned Parenthood? Can you tell us that story? Well, again, it was just sort of in in steps. I was working in private practice. I ended up renting their old clinic space when they moved into Buck Williams Clinic. And I was renting from them, and then they approached me about doing abortions on a part-time basis, and, and so I did. And then as Dr. Buck Williams wanted to retire, they offered me a full-time position, and I took it. And, and what, was, what was that like? That was in the, the old facility, you said, before they, before they moved into the, the new place in Sioux Falls. Right, correct. What was that what was that like? I remember you, you've shared before kind of just like what the clinic, what the facility itself was, was like. Was it, was it, uh, I mean, was it what you were accustomed to in a, for a, for a healthcare facility? Well, this was, a, it was a small old building that had, I remember back when it was a veterinary office when I was growing up. Mm. Um, And uh, it was small. The rooms were small. Um, now I think I haven't been in it, but I imagine their new clinic is much larger and cleaner and more open. And um, but it was. Um, I sometimes think if I could go back and have a do-over. Um, there's a couple things I would do over, and one is I wouldn't close my private practice that I love dearly, and my I had marvelous patients, um, and I don't know why I took that step and closed my practice and went and worked at Planned Parenthood. It was not a good fit. Yeah, and so, I, and I think I remember you saying too that a lot of your patients didn't follow you when you started working there. The your patient base didn't necessarily come with you. It was it was just a, a very radical split or shift from the practice that you had been doing. Um, what was it? What was it like working for Planned Parenthood? It was was there a you know were there quotas? Was there financial pressure? What was it? What was it like, kind of on the inside? I think the biggest. The most difficult thing for me was that 
um, they didn't want my input. They just wanted a technician. Mm. And I was used to having a relationship with my patients. You know, when you have an OB patient, you take care of them during their pregnancy, you do the delivery, you see them afterwards, you have a relationship. Yeah. Um, and there just wasn't that in the clinic. I wouldn't even meet the patient until they came into my procedure room. And then I had very little time to interact with them. You know, it's it, it, maybe say a little more about that. I just because of my own kind of professional background in in law, I really understand that. You know, I I never wanted to be treated like a just like a hired gun as a lawyer. I wanted a relationship with people too. I wanted to be able to provide counsel based on my my knowledge of them as a whole person. If if somebody showed up and just said, "Hey," you know, just do this thing, and then I'm leaving, and I'm never going to see you again. I I get how that would be a really just like a stark difference in in a in a practice, um, which I I don't know. Maybe it it it, it validates some of the some of the things that people think about Planned Parenthood that it's it is kind of maybe just a a mill, kind of just cranking them out to a certain extent. I think. That's probably the major reason why we split ways, why why, um, I left, was I had a different expectation. They had a different expectation. And um, it it was just difficult not being involved in the planning, the um, policies. Everything came from above, from... Uh, probably originated in in the the big Planned Parenthood. They put out a huge manual that has all the information and all the procedures, and um, there's really no room to practice any individual medicine. Hmm. Well, that's one of the things that Planned Parenthood a lot of times says is that they provide women more than just abortions. You know, did you find that when you were uh, working there that you got to do a lot of different things or was it just abortions? I only did, uh, they only did abortions when there were enough to fill up a day. And uh, I think on average it was one day a week, although now with their reduced numbers, I don't know how many days a month they're actually doing abortions. Um, back then, I think it was about one day a week, and we would change the day. It wouldn't always be the same day of the week, and I think at least once a month we tried to have uh, a day on Saturday. Um, but when it was not an abortion day, it was uh, completely different. Then it would be like a clinic where women came in for pap smears and tests for infections, um, and to renew their, their birth control pills. They didn't, um, there's no prenatal care. There's no mammogram. Uh, it's a pretty limited, you know, women come in for birth control um, and STD testing predominantly. You know, d- doctor, one of the, the just so the beautiful parts about your whole story is the story of conversion. You really, you underwent a conversion not just on like uh, on the issue of abortion and and life, but even a conversion in in terms of f- faith. 
Can you tell us your your story of of coming to faith? Well, um, it's kind of interesting because I grew up going to church. Um, kind of the kind of thing where my parents would drop me off for Sunday school, kind of a thing. And um, I remember going to church in all the way through high school. Um, probably not so much in college. Um, and then by the time I was uh, moved to Chamberlain, I really wasn't going to church, although I was searching, and I kind of was searching kind of New Age stuff. And out of the blue, um, a person that I knew told me about a new pastor at a small church in town. And I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but one Sunday, I walked in the doors. I didn't know anybody in the church. And I was just captivated. It was it was like the minister was speaking just to me. Mm. And it was through going there that I really came to have a relationship with the Lord, with Jesus. Um, and it was through that relationship that I was able to read the Bible. I tried to read the Bible before, but never really could understand it, memorize you know, the usual Bible verses through Sunday school and youth group. Um, but this time it was like I had a hunger to read the Word, and I, you know, God really opened up my eyes and my heart. And it didn't happen immediately when I became what I consider a, a believer. Um, I still believed in evolution, and I was still pro-choice. I didn't do any abortions after I left Planned Parenthood. I haven't done any since. Um, And it took several years uh, and many different experiences for God to really um, bring me through. It was a process. It was a journey. Um, I uh, had many disappointments. Um, and uh, I had some hand surgery, you know, I had a number of things happen, and I think through all of it, God was just removing things that I relied on until really all I had was Him. You're you're listening now to to Real Presence Live. We're visiting with Dr. Patty Giebink. Uh, Dr. Giebink is a South Dakota physician, used to conduct abortions at, at Planned Parenthood, then went through a a conversion. She's just sh- sharing a little bit about us. It started with an invitation from a friend and, uh, and uh, a little church and really an encounter with the risen Lord, with Jesus, and, and Scripture came alive. Uh, Dr. Giebink, can you maybe say a few words about, about kind of becoming public, uh, so to speak, coming to a point where, how, how did you come to the point where you're, you're comfortable just talking about this this part of your past? Was it something that that was hidden for a while, and, and, and how, did, how did you take that, that step? Well, um, I laugh when I think of, of what God does. Actually, about pastor, he said, first God does you, and then he tells you what he does. Well, <laughs> I, that's really what it was. It was a long journey. It wasn't an epiphany, and... Um, and there were several things that I just obediently showed up 
and I didn't think about the consequences. I just knew that at a certain time and place I was supposed to be there. I think the main one was in 2006 when the Vote Yes for Life uh, referendum, the campaign, I really wasn't involved until the very end, and they were putting together uh, short commercials for Vote Yes for Life. And what they were going to do was film individual doctors and then Photoshop them in together to an ad. And, and that was the premise where I showed up on a Saturday morning to the videographer, and, um, and he just basically asked me questions, and I told him, and then he edited it. And when the commercial came out, it was just me. <laughs> it was like, oh, my. And basically I said, I'm Dr. Patty Giebink. I used to do abortions for Planned Parenthood, and now I'm asking you to vote yes for life. That's, and, that's powerful. I mean, it was dramatic, and I really didn't know it was just going to be me. And I'm sure if God said, you know, we're going to film just you, and you're going to your face is going to be plastered all over the TV. And, and as I, as I uh, thought about it, I thought, okay, in one fell swoop, I could lose all my friends from before who are still pro-choice and maybe all the friends that I've made recently who um, are pro-life because then my secret is out of the closet. Mm. Yeah, this is just a it's just a beautiful story and I'm just so struck too that it it just kind of started this this cascade of of God becoming more and more active in your life in in like a powerful and delightful way in maybe kind of a scary way at times like oh there's yeah. this exciting ride. It started with this invitation from a friend mentioning this this church and just what a um God just works in like mysterious ways. What what advice would you have for for people of faith you know, for those who are are trapped in in some pro-abortion ideologies, that what can we do? What what can we do for for somebody who's like where you were all those years ago? What what can we do? Um, give them a copy of my book when it comes out. <laughs> hey, tell us about that. <laughs> Well, I hopefully just wrote the last revision this week, and so it's a slow process. Um, but my, my book is called Unexpected Choice, An Abortion Doctor's Journey to Pro-Life. Wow. I love it. And it talks about this journey because people ask me, like you, and I said, well, it's not, you know, a... 30-second answer. It wasn't an epiphany. It was a long journey with lots of twists and turns. Mm. And, and so people said, you need to write a book, and it's been years that I've been working on it, and I think it's uh, hopefully going to be out. But um, I forgot your question. Oh, uh, yeah, just like, what can we do? But this book, uh, do, you, do you have a, is there a publication timeline for it? When, when might people start to watch for it? Well, it's getting pushed back. I think it might be at the beginning of the year, next okay. year. Okay. Um, it's being, uh, anyway, it's, it's in the works. And it's a book about redemption and compassion 
um, and healing. And even though maybe somebody who needs to read the book wouldn't pick it up because of a title, I think that uh, I'm hoping that friends, family will give it to people that are hurting um, who are either in the abortion industry or have been affected by an abortion. Well, and I would think, you know, writing the book was very therapeutic for yourself, going through that process. Can you share with us um, some aha moments that you had while writing the book? Hmm. I I can't think if I had any aha moments while writing the book because I've been writing it for almost 10 years. Oh, wow. oh sure. Um, so it's been a, it's been a work. Yeah. It, it's, it's been a, a work and it, to see God's hand in bringing it to this point is, is totally amazing. The one aha moment, um, as I actually, I'm actually sitting here writing my talk for tomorrow and, um, the one aha moment I can think about is when a very kind um, pro-life woman a long time ago loaned me her copy of Dr. Bernard Nathanson's book, The Hand of God. Mm. And he blew away a lot of things that I had believed in and I think maybe that was an aha moment. Um, the book is really kind of an adventure book, and um, it takes you along on the journey that I went on. And I, I still, when I'm going over and doing revisions on some chapters, I, I just cry. I mean, I can't. I help people laugh and cry, and and uh, have empathy for people in different situations. Yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, I was writing my uh, talk for tomorrow, and I think the thing that's so hard to comprehend, especially when I was working part-time at Planned Parenthood, is that on an abortion day, I would work at Planned Parenthood all day, and then the next day I would go to the hospital and work really hard to deliver a healthy baby mm. to a healthy mom. Wow. And to me, that seems so incongruous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, how could I do that? But perhaps I had just so compartmentalized things. Yeah. It, it, it strikes me, too, just in kind of hearing a little bit of your story of working for Planned Parenthood, that it was, in a certain sense, the the work was dehumanizing for you. You there was no encouragement to even thinking to even think about that that dissonance between these two scenarios. It's just like, okay, this is just the job. You just do the job and and there isn't that relational aspect where you're really honored as a human being with mm-hmm. a heart and a mind. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Giebank, as as people are, you know, maybe thinking about if they're in the Sioux Falls area coming out to hear your talk tomorrow, many of the listeners in in broadcast area won't be able to. But what is what's your what is the the thing you want your your listeners tomorrow that are going to hear your full talk? What do you want them to to leave with a sense of? 
a sense of what they can do every day to promote life, to promote relationships, mm-hmm. um, to develop communities that care for each other and churches that care for each other where um, no one feels shame or condemnation, that there's a lot of hurting people out there, men and women, that need love and compassion, Mm. not condemnation and blame. Amen. Beautiful. Well, Dr. Patty, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We've ran out of time. Well, thank you. And we look forward to hearing your, your talk tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Doctor. See you tomorrow. Okay. Marvelous. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Wow, Chris, that was quite the show. Yeah, it was. Wow. I mean, wow. (laughs) The topic is intense, but you know what I'm feeling the intensity of? God's love. Right. Like, it's intense. Compassion. God's love can, like, enter into some of the most broken situations and, and totally just, like, heal yeah redemption love i mean it's just like love 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 yeah well we have to preview the next show which is actually my show on monday so eli yes are you going to preview my show on monday absolutely so we've got a great show coming up monday morning 9 to 11 a.m central right here on the real presence radio network that'll be hosted by you heather as well as mike farrell coming to you from christ the king parish in sioux falls we'll start off the show with julie colbeck colleen davis and steve wendorf talking about what every school should consider when conducting a fundraiser then mike allens will talk about how a small how can a small catholic company make it in today's market all that and so much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That'll be Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. And then, of course, that'll be the only Real Presence Live that week, because the rest of the week, it's our fall live drive. So you want to tune in for some great stories from people all across the listening area, great stories of faith, conversion, all that good stuff, while giving you an opportunity to call in and support our mission. That's coming up next week, Tuesday through Friday. It's the fall live drive right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Back to you. Thanks, Eli. Well, that's it, Chris. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. It was a fantastic show. And if if anybody missed any of these fantastic interviews, you can go back to our app, listen. It'll be up later today. Or you can go online to realpresenceradio.com and check it out there. All the good stuff is there. I know. It was just a phenomenal show. And thank you for being my co-host. It was a lot of fun. I was happy to do it. Just some great guests today. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. You ready for your speech tomorrow? I'm ready. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, we're ready. Uh, looking forward to it. Good. It's gonna, I, it might be eye-opening for some people. Maybe never thought about the issue before. I know. You and I have talked about it on here before, so yeah. it'll be interesting. Well, thank you for listening to Real Presence Live, and thank you for letting us into your home. We hope you have a fantastic weekend. God bless. God bless you. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. 
And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.